Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Renee Evans. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com. wasn't prepared for that. And you should sneak that New Zealand-Australian conflict in there somewhere. Anyway. Oh my goodness. Wow. I'm just going to take a moment and stare at you all, if you don't mind. I'm going to be that creeper. Oh, you guys. I feel like in the last year, I've had the privilege of standing up here and telling people that you're my dream come true, that you are. (laughs) I have um, dreamed of this um, for many, many years. And so I just want to thank every single person for coming, every single person who, you know, had to get babysitters, Every single person who had to give up social plans, whatever it was that, you know, you had to brave the cold, the Texas cold. Um, Thank you so much for being here. Um, There is so much power when women come together. Amen. And you know, it's not about gathering under one denomination or one church, but it's about gathering under one name. Amen. And if we can put aside our differences, then we can change the world. Educate a woman and you educate a nation. Oh, man. I don't know about you, but that video just got me. I'm so excited. We have so many exciting things coming up for Love Collective. This is obviously our first official event. Um, but it was mentioned we have Melanie Shankle coming. Can I get a raise of hands? Who knows Melanie Shankle or has heard of Melanie Shankle? Before? Oh, my goodness. That is not enough people. <laughs> Wow. Okay, she's written four books, and three of them has been New York Times bestsellers. She is hilarious. I don't often laugh out loud when I'm reading a book, but I did with all of hers. They are so funny. Um, She wrote her own endorsements for one of the books. (laughs) And it's brilliant. She um, she had this one endorsement that said, Melanie Schenkel is a literary genius. C.S. Lewis. (laughs) This work by Melanie Shankle will have to be canonized. It is that vital to Christianity. The Apostle Paul. <laughs> it was just her. She's so funny, you guys. And we were taught by some of our spiritual moms and dads that you just got to have fun in this journey. Amen. And I tell you what, church is awesome, but we also are doing some serious business, right? As women, we are just taking care of business. And sometimes it can get mundane. Sometimes it is not always fun, so we need to put some time aside for ourselves to just have fun, with the only purpose, to have fun. And God is totally on board with that. Yay. Okay, I'm just going to hand these out really quickly, more giveaways. Um, Janessa's going to run these. Okay, who came the furthest tonight? Like, well, I don't know how I'm going to judge this, but... Palestine! Where? Where? Whoa, yep, that, that's one. It feels like one. Did anyone, wait. Birmingham, Alabama. Wait, you came from South Africa for this event? Huh. 
Oh, if you did, go to the recess table and get one of these. But um, Birmingham, Alabama. I love Birmingham, Alabama. I used to try to do their accent all the time. It, it didn't work out too well. I'm getting better at my Texas accent. Anyway, I have to apologize beforehand. I'm um, a little sick, so I sound a little raspy. Um, Okay, so we have um, some other things coming up in the fall. I have a dear friend of mine, Havala Covington, who's going to be coming to speak. Yay! Um, and so she's going to be coming to speak with us, and we have a 2020 women's conference coming up. So if you are not connected, um, make sure you get on the newsletter so that you can hear all about the fun events that we have coming up. And like Katie said, we are going to build schools together. Aren't we? Yes. We are going to build Love Collective schools, and I'm so excited. I spoke to Cassandra Lee this morning, who heads up Justice Rising. And you guys, she's just the sweetest. She's like this five-foot-nothing blonde girl from California who, like, on a regular basis, deals and mediates with warlords. Yeah. Yeah, I thought parenting toddlers was hard, right? <laughs> My goodness, the amount of times that girl has been held at gunpoint... Um, I think she's forgotten count, but she's the real deal. Her and her husband are just, they have four school, five schools so far, and it's their goal to do 40 schools in the next 10 years. And they said if they can put 40 schools in the Congo, that they would disrupt the cycle of war in that nation. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that. Amen? Okay. I don't have a lot to share tonight. I basically just wanted to come up here and say hi, <laughs> and that I love you all, and thank you for coming. Um, we have a lot of people from different churches here, so I just kind of want to give a little bit of a shout out. If you're not from Bethel, Austin, I just want you to stand up for a second. <laughs> yeah! Oh my gosh! Wow! Welcome! Oh my gosh! Wow! We are so excited to have you all. We have just some amazing people here. I have a dear friend from San Marcos. Woo! She brought all her gang with her. Hey, San Marcos. We can't really call it Austin anymore. I guess like the greater... Well, let's just go with what Megan said and say Texas, shall we? Okay. And Alabama, of course. Um, we're just so encouraged, and like I said, it really is my passion that the Love Collective isn't a Bethel Austin women's ministry. I, I had a dream in my heart that the women's ministry would be a citywide ministry, because we don't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers. There's not another church that has all the answers, but together, we're getting a whole lot closer. Amen. And I just love it. I love celebrating the differences. I love coming together over what we have in common and not dividing over what we don't have in common. Because I tell you what, if we love Jesus, we have way more in common than we do not in common. Amen. I, um, I look back sometimes on my life and I, I can pinpoint some of the most amazing encounters that I've had with the Lord at women's gatherings. There's just something special about women gathering together. And I know we've said it time and time again tonight, but it's just, it's like God is just looking down going, there are my girls. There are my girls just loving on me. And I'm just, 
I'm just overwhelmed by his goodness and by his faithfulness. And I'm overwhelmed by all of you. And at so many moments today, I've been on the verge of tears. So I'm going to hold it in together tonight, I hope. <sighs> okay. But I just, wanted to, I just wanted to touch on a couple of things. Because I believe that unity within our city is what is going to bring revival. Amen. And unity is going to cause us to encourage one another. And us women encouraging one another is going to change the world. And I don't say that like it's just a far-off statement. Like, I actually really believe it. I'm one of those crazy people who really believe that we can change the world. <laughs> because we can. We're going to see nations changed and saved in a day. Amen. I believe it's going to happen in our lifetime. And I believe that the Lord wants us to be a part of it. You know, I have um, a little bit of a story. When we came first to Austin on that two-week road trip, actually, Katie and I discovered Austin, and I was like, this reminds me of Sydney. I think the Lord is here. <laughs> so I um, spent the next while convincing my husband, <laughs> and then he finally got a word from the Lord, and hence we are here. But um, I remember we had a visit with a man called Dan Davis, I don't know if many of you know Dan Davis. Um, yeah, yes. He is an incredible man, but um, a lot of the leaders in this city, a lot of the church leaders can pinpoint the unity that happens in Austin back to this man. And he once went and he repented um, before a whole lot of leaders in the city and asked for forgiveness and asked if they could join together and pray together. And they started these pastors and covenant groups all across the city and they had, two years ago, over 400 pastors gather together to pray. And I don't know if you know this, but what is happening in Austin is not normal. Before we moved here and were pastors, we were itinerant ministers, so we traveled the world with our kids. We were those crazy people. We were those people that when we walked on an airplane, you're praying in emergency tongues that we don't sit next to you. <laughs> That was me. That was my life for a good five years. Um, but we loved every moment of it. We really did. Well, no, you know, maybe not every moment. I mean, we had two babies 13 months apart, so we kind of had our hands full. But, um, you know, we have just had the honor and the privilege of being in so many different houses and local churches around the world. And I have never in my life seen unity like I've seen it in Austin. I have never heard other pastors championing one another. I have never heard churches championing other churches. You know, and it is really true. Like, we don't care what church you go to. We really don't. We don't care about big church. We care about big people. You know, and I really, I'm really not like, woo, come to my pastor. I'm like, I, I don't care where you go as long as you go. As long as you go, as long as they're healthy and they are pushing you towards Jesus, then hey, if you're happy there and you have community, then that is where you belong and that is where you should be planted. And I remember speaking to Dan and I was like, this is so cool that all of these you know, male pastors, here's a little side note, which I think is really funny because I'm in the South, so I'm sorry if this offends someone, but... Um, <laughs> I, when I first got here, everyone's like, oh, you're the pastor's wife. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. He's the pastor's husband. 
<laughs> and you should have seen like some of the looks I got from some of these people. They're like, you heathen. But <laughs> I mean, it's true. I am the co-senior pastor with my husband. We run this church together. And <laughs> I, I don't say that because I'm like, whoa, look what I'm doing. But I'm like, something needs to change. Something needs to change, and women need to start rising up, and they need to start taking their place. And they don't need to make themselves like dominant and fight for a place. Your gift will make a way. Your gift will make a way. And I remember I said to Dan, I was like, oh, I'm so happy that all the men are having so much fun. And I said, what about the women? And he was silent for the first time in that conversation for a long time. He's like, you know what? I don't know. And I was like, well, why aren't the women gathering? And he said, you know what? We tried. We actually tried, and we did it twice. And then they just didn't want us telling them what to do anymore. <laughs> and I was like, OK, that'd be right. That's, that's probably a true story. <laughs> but I thought, well, maybe it's because his man is trying to gather the women. Maybe that's the big key that we're missing. But I'm like, man, it is my heart that women across this city gather together. Because I really, truly believe that it is a missing component to revival breaking out in Austin. Because I tell you what, our men have got it together. In this area, they're doing a great job. They are doing so well. And I remember asking around, I'm like, what, what are some of these like big companies of women that are getting together, like multiple churches getting together, and there just weren't any. And I'm like, man, how beautiful would it be if there were? I'm like, I dream of going to the convention center and that entire place being filled out with women from every single church in Austin represented. I keep having that line over and over in my head that if you educate a woman, you educate a nation. And I'm like, if you unify women, you will unify a nation. And I truly believe it. I, um, you know, in John 17, 23, it says, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Unity amongst the church lets the world know that he has sent us. And I think sometimes we get a bad rap from the world because they're looking in through the glasses and they see segregation, not unity. And if we're meant to be unified as a sign of him sending, then I think we're on a good track right now. You know, there's almost 500 women in this room tonight. 500 women. I told my team who, let's just give a shout out to my team right now, because they are amazing. And Rodolin, I did not know you had those dance moves in you. That was fun, and I'm so glad that I wasn't dancing. Um, <laughs> Stacy, you are awesome, too. I'm so sorry. You are awesome, too. <laughs> oh, no. And Jan and Lauren and everyone who danced. Okay. I haven't left anyone out. 
but they really are. They're like such a dream team. I say that, but they consist of like my best friends. And so I'm just so happy and so privileged that I get to do this with them and the worship team. I mean, you could have just kept going all night and I would have been very happy with that. <laughs> it was amazing. But guys, I'm just, something is happening. You know, we were at the Bethel music night last Saturday night, and one of my friends, who is the tour manager there, they, she came around after they finished praying, and they'd already been on tour for over two weeks, and so multiple cities by that time, I think eight cities, and they said, man, we can feel something in Austin. You know, we sometimes go to other cities, and it feels a little closed, or it just feels like we have to push extra hard to get through, but there's something that is happening in Austin. There is this openness in the atmosphere over Austin. And Tasha Cobbs started, um, does everyone know Tasha Cobbs? I mean, she's amazing. She's my dream conference lady. So if she replies to my email, I'll let you know, and hopefully she'll be here. But um, she just started prophesying over this ground swelling of revival happening in Austin. And so many people from outside of Austin are excited for what's happening in our city. So I think that we should be the more excited than that. You know, revival isn't a scary word. I know we all come from different backgrounds. I come from a Baptist background. So revival is like, ah, you know, like, oh my gosh, Leonard Ravenhill. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's for the, the ladies who are, you know, reading Leonard Ravenhill. Anyway. Um, <laughs> It's just not a scary word, though. And I think sometimes it can get thrown away, and you're like, oh, that's those crazy people over there. They always use that word, revival. You know, but the truth is, revival is heaven on earth. It's heaven on earth. And it doesn't matter what denomination we are. It says in my Bible that we are commissioned to bring heaven to earth. Every single believer, not just the men, not just the women who hold a microphone. Every single woman. And I just want to encourage you to show up. Because this revival, it just won't be the same without you. It really won't. It'll be missing a piece. You're not too young and you're not too old. You're in exactly the right place at the right time. And if you will show up, he will show out through you. I guarantee it. I've seen him do it over and over again. I've seen him take a dream in someone's heart and watch it just explode beyond their wildest imaginations. I preached a message here a couple of weeks ago, which, sorry for my Bethel Austin people, is a little bit of a recap, but check if you're listening. Um, but... It really does require each of us pursuing our dreams, and God is totally on board with your dreams. Not just on board, but he actually put them there. He cares so much about you fulfilling the dreams in your heart, even more than you do. And sometimes we wonder and we get stuck in this place of like, is it the Lord? It's like, does it bring you passion? And is there peace? That's a really good indication that God is on it. So if we can all follow our passion and peace, because peace is a person, amen? He's the prince of peace. 
then there's no stopping us, ladies. You know, it only costs $80,000 to build a school. I was so excited. I was in Juice Land today. And I was like, $80,000? Oh, my gosh, that's nothing. And then everyone turns to me and looks at me, and I'm like, oh. I, I mean, I guess it is something. I didn't mean to say it out like loud like that, but it really is nothing to change the lives of not only 200, but in a, a village. I got kids who go to school. There's a little boy on there that said his only hope is school. That's a dream that I have to hear my children say that. <laughs> I have to drag them out of bed every morning. <laughs> but to think that that is the greatest hope, that means we get to be bringers and carriers of hope. And that is the most exciting privilege that we have. You know, I, I love, um, well, I'll say this first. I think that the devil, I know we don't really talk about him a lot because we don't really like him, don't want to give him much time, but he has an assignment against women that we need to be aware of. In Genesis, in chapter 3, he's, this is God talking to the serpent in verse 15, he said, And I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. I will put enmity between you and the woman. I don't know about you, but I like a challenge. I like a challenge and I hate the devil. So this is a perfect combination. <laughs> But, you know, I think women criticizing each other and judging each other, we remove ourselves from being soldiers in the Lord's army and we become pawns in the enemy's hand. The moment we open our mouths to discredit, to criticize one another, the enemy is winning. That is his plan. And I just think, what would it look like for a company of women who truly loved one another, who didn't compare themselves with one another? I mean, Katie is never going to have an accent as cool as mine. <laughs> but, sorry, I had to get one in there. Like, I had to. Um, <laughs> but you know, now I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> we buy each other gag gifts sometimes, and it's very funny. I'm just remembering one that I, anyway, sorry. I have a cold, and so my husband was like, why don't you take some medicine? And I'm like, babe, I already don't know what's going to come out of my mouth when I'm up there without medicine. I don't know. What, I don't know. And I'm like, well, at least I could blame it on the medicine, you know, have a full back. But anyway, sorry. I'm, I'm, like I mentioned, I've been sick for a week, so my brain is a little scattered. Um, Another scripture for you is Matthew 7, 2, and it says this, For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You know, I had this revelation once. I was sitting on my bed, and I was reading that passage, and the Lord spoke to me so clearly, and he said, Renee, do you notice how it, says in that pa how it doesn't say in that passage that I will be the one who judges you? I was like, what do you mean? Like, you're going to judge me, Lord. According in the measure, according to how I judge others. And he's like, no, I want you to read it again. 
It says, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And you know what I think it is? I think that we judge ourselves according to the measure that we judge other people. And so sometimes it's not other people that we're judging, but it's ourselves. And sometimes when we have harsh judgments towards one another, we have to turn around and not just check our hearts, but just to see, hey, am I judging myself in the same way? Because the measure in which I am judging someone, I will be judged in the same measure, but not from the Lord. Don't get me wrong. I know there's other places in Scripture where it says the Lord in the end days will judge. I'm not referring to that. But I just think it's interesting. I think a lot of our self-hate, a lot of our mean girl. Do you ever have a mean girl in your mind? No? I'm the only one? Okay. Wow. I feel like. Oh, gosh. But it's like your mean girl, right? Let me give you an example of what happened to me today. I'm like, I think I should branch out and not wear jeans tonight. <laughs> and so I went to the store, and I tried on these pants. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, they definitely feel like pajama pants, which is a huge plus in my mind. But then my inner mean girl started coming out, you are not young enough, and you are not cool enough, and you had too many babies to fit in those pants. <laughs> But it is, it's mastering your mean girl. You need to tell her to shut up, right? I mean, because we all have one. And oftentimes I find it's that mean girl in our head that is the one that's judging someone else. Oh, I'm not going to be blessed anymore because they took my blessing. God just doesn't have enough to give her and I that level of favor. She got financially blessed. I need to be financially blessed as though God didn't own every single cent in this world. But I believe that if we can just master our mean girl, <laughs> we can just put her in her place, that we will begin to be a lot less harsh on ourselves and in turn a lot less harsh to the women around us. We won't hold them to this impossible standard that we often hold ourselves to. And then it's when we can get together and encourage each other and just be genuine in our love for one another, happy for each other's successes. And that's when it gets sweet. That is when it gets sweet. And that is what the Lord can use. I am... Um, I'm not really short on dreams. Someone, uh, I get asked the question all the time, what's your vision? And I'm like, how long do you have? Because <laughs> I will tell you, I was always that kid, but my parents were like, you've got to take your heads out of the cloud. Heads? I feel like I have two heads right now. Um, you've got to take your head out of the clouds, you know, and it's always kind of growing up in this culture. It's like, you don't want to aim too high just in case you get disappointed. And I'm so glad I didn't listen to that. <laughs> and I just want to encourage you not to either. I never, you know, three months ago, I was like, man, I want to do a gathering of women from across the city. And then it's like three months later. <laughs> it's beyond my wildest dreams. It really is. 
But God is in the business of exceeding our expectations. He doesn't want to just meet your expectation, let you get by. I'll give her a little bit of hope over here, a little bit of joy. Man, he has so much more in store for us than we can imagine. He wants more good for us. I always say we can never overestimate the goodness of God. Never. I'm going to die trying. But I know I'm never going to exhaust it. You know, I just heard a testimony this, just a few moments ago that a lady had pain in her body when she came in here. And then when she actually came into the building, all of the pain left her body. <laughs> no one even prayed for her. Imagine that. You know, we've spent so many hours walking this property, praying that miracles would happen when you drive in the parking lot. And man, miracles are happening all the time. All the time. I had a Jehovah's Witness come to my door the other day. I'm not really used to them. We don't get a lot from where we're from. So I was like, hey! And he's like, hey! He was all like in a suit and looked nice. And I mean, he looks like a nice guy. But he's like, this is his intro to me. Do you just feel like the world is getting worse and worse? And I'm like, hello. <laughs> um, I guess you're not trying to sell vacuum cleaners. Um, <laughs> And then he just went on and on. He's like, are you watching the news and just losing hope? And I was like, I don't know what is happening right now, but this is very depressing. Um, and I'm like, who are you? And he's like, I have faith. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I don't want faith in the thing that you've got faith in if you've got no hope. And he was like, and I'm like, I'm a believer, and I believe in Jesus. I actually believe that the world is getting better. I actually see miracles on a weekly basis. I'm like, I actually serve a God who is still alive and is very much powerful. Oh, you guys, we've got it good. We have it good. I have to tell you, I'm going to steal a quote from my husband, but he says that Christians are the only people in this world who have the ability to create a level of expectation but not the responsibility to fulfill it. Takes the pressure off, huh? We just have to dream and imagine about how good he is. And then he comes to prove that it's right. <laughs> we serve such a good God. Amen. Sorry, I'm very overwhelmed. <laughs> I have, um, when I first became a believer, the first women's ministry that I ever became a part of had 26,000 women. So um, that was my introduction <laughs> to women's ministry. I kind of thought that's how they all were. Um, and I watched as that women's ministry transformed villages and cities. You know, single-handedly, these women support four villages 
in Uganda, where they have built four hospitals, four schools. They find orphans who have become orphans through HIV, and they find widows who have become widows from HIV. And they pair them together. They put one widow and eight orphans in a house. And they have made an entire village. Because there was this one woman who just said, you want to do this? What do you reckon? I think we can do it. And a whole bunch of women that said yes. We have so many dreams for Austin. But really, it's just our heart that every single person in this city would know his love. That there would be no religion. Just the goodness of God. And every single woman in this place, you are a walking encounter. And revival is going to look so different on you than it looks on me, than it looks on Rodolin, on Megan. And it's supposed to. But if we're all busy thinking we missed the boat or trying to look like someone else, a lot of people are going to miss out on what you have to bring. I like to make harsh statements sometimes. I don't know why. I think it's just because I'm Australian, we're blunt, but I like the shock factor, you know, sometimes. <laughs> My husband's always like white knuckled on the front row. He's like, I don't know what she's gonna say. I'm like, babe, I'm being vulnerable. People like vulnerability. And he, he's like, here is the line of vulnerability and here is you over here and you're dragging me through the line with you. I'm like, I know, but I think it's important. Like, none of us have it together. None of us have it together. But I am so excited. I love what Katie said. I believe that there are relationships in this room that are going to be formed that are just going to take you by surprise and be some of the most cherished ones that you have. So I encourage you. We have amazing desserts. We know the way to your heart. So when you head out, I just want you to meet some new people. Just say hi. And you never know, legitimately, this is the first thing that I said to Katie. <laughs> I, I, was, I'm, I am that creeper sometimes, just, I, but bear in mind. But, um, I said, you didn't know me well enough yet, and it's probably going to freak you out, but I know that we're going to be best friends. <laughs> she was like, Okay. <laughs> And look, it worked out so well. Sometimes it doesn't. But, um, <laughs> oh. but I love doing this with you guys. I love doing this with you. I am all about seeing the women take their place in Austin. And let me be clear, it is not the place or in place of a man. I love men. I love my man. I'm raising two little guys. Man, when we can figure out that feminism isn't at the expense of men, <laughs> that's when we got it right. Amen? <laughs> but we need them as much as they need us. And I love that they get to lead, but we get to set the temperature. And I want to encourage you 
just to take ownership of your sphere, whatever that is. If it's your workplace, just take ownership. You pray for those people. If it's your kids and it's your family, practice joy. Teach them that God is good. Revival is so much easier than we think it is. So much easier because he wants it more than we do. It's his plan. I, um, I think that more things are caught than they are taught. I love the saying, well, I love it and I hate it, I guess, but I, I love the saying on one hand where it says, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. I love it. Be the gospel. Be Jesus. You can do that because you love Jesus, and you have Jesus in your heart, and it's super easy. And for one person, it might look like standing in the middle of a square and preaching the gospel. And for another, it might just look like inviting someone to coffee. But whatever way the Lord has placed revival in you, I just want to ask you to say yes. Because we really can't do this without you. The world will be changed by passionate Christians. Not Sunday seat warmers. If Christianity stops when we leave worship on a Sunday morning service, then we've got it all wrong. I just love women. I really do. I have so much hope for you all. I have so many dreams for you all. I don't even know you all. And this is going to sound really freaky to some people, so I apologize. I'm very normal, usually. But um, sometimes the Lord shows me things. He, like, gives me impressions. And I even just see, as I'm looking out over the room, these little, like, bubbles coming up on some of your heads. And I'm like, man, I don't even know if you know some of your dreams. Because they are big, and they should scare you. Because if they don't, then you can do them on your own and you don't need God. I don't know about you, but I want to dream big, scary, radical dreams that takes a sold-out life to the cause to see them come to pass. Amen. I just figure we've got one shot. So let's do it well and let's have a lot of fun. Amen. I'm going to ask um, Kess. Kess is going to come up and Liz, and they're going to lead us in some ministry time. But I really feel like that there may be some women in here, and you just need a little bit of hope. You just need a little bit of encouragement. We have a prayer team who would love to pray for you. We believe in prophecy. We believe that God is still speaking. Amen. And so I just want to encourage you. I used to go to conferences and be like, God, I want a prophetic word. Give me a prophetic word. And one day God said to me when I was at the altar and no one was praying for me, he's like, give yourself a prophetic word. I was like, I was like oh, yeah. 
It is legal. You're allowed to do that. Did you know that? Like, I know that sounds really simple, but I did not know that. Now I do, and I prophesy over myself all the time. <laughs> the ladies, I'm excited. I'm excited, and I feel like this is just the beginning. So I want to invite you onto this journey that we're going to be doing. So next time, bring your moms, bring it. I don't know. I said dogs earlier to someone, and then I'm like, no, it's Austin. They really will bring their dogs. <laughs> Just bring every girl that you know that is in human form. And we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to go off to dreams together, and we are going to see Austin transformed, and we're going to see the nations transformed. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com.